Welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show with Landon Witt. You're about to learn hyper-local market knowledge happening right now in the Oklahoma City real estate market. This is your fresh weekly report on housing conditions in Oklahoma City that will enable you to make smarter investment decisions and gain insight on local trends. Plan your next move in real estate with this fast, vital market news to aid your next real estate adventure. Landon is a genuine, self-made top realtor in Oklahoma City with millions of dollars in real estate closed every year and hundreds of satisfied clients. He's a successful investor, property manager, and residential broker who's worked with clients from all over the globe to help achieve their real estate goals. This program will help you gain the much sought after hyper-local information that's vital to making real estate decisions. Whether you live right here in the city or across the country, welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Here is your host, Landon Witt. Welcome to episode 42 of the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. On today's show, we talk with the CEO and founder of a small furniture company that started in their garage and transformed into the number one custom furniture company in the United States. They sold that business this December, and Jeremy Thomas is here to chat with us about her history of the company, how they did it, and what they're doing now. You guessed it, Jeremy Thomas of Urban Farmhouse Designs. Talking real quick about the market report, I want to get to that interview as soon as possible. It is an extended interview today. Hang in there. Great content. The intimate discussions with the CEO today on the show. I want to get in. So market report, a um, couple of things to highlight over the last couple of weeks since we've talked. Months supply still at 2.8 months supply, which means that if no new inventory came on the market in 2.8 months, there'd be an estimate no houses on the market for sale, which is putting artificial price, you know, appreciation on the market due to the low supply. Okay. Some folks would say that's not artificial. That's just a law of supply and demand. Nevertheless, we are at a median sales price of 175. This is the height of last year's summer prices of July. So we're already at 175 median sales price for the year. That's headed the right direction. Uh, it's good to see that. want to jump in real quick to REOs. The REOs over the last two weeks came out to 26 listings that were sold with a median list price of $67,650 and selling price of $66,375. All right, so that comes out to be a 1.9% difference between the two. So not a huge discount market. Some of these listings over the 26 went above the ask price, but most of them were $1,000 to $2,000 below the ask um, after everything was said and done. Most of the trend looks like they're accepting cash. Very, very few cases they're accepting conventional loans. So cash is king when it comes to REO purchasing. On to your news. Hello, I'm Aaron Christian in Oklahoma City for the OKC Real Estate Show with this week's news. New development proposed for Thunder Alley Entertainment Block. The ownership group of the Oklahoma City Thunder has proposed a new development directly south of Chesapeake Arena with a large plaza, public art, and a covered dining area with docking stations for up to three food trucks. The property sits between the arena and the new Oklahoma City Boulevard, which essentially retraces the old Interstate 40 route, but mostly at ground level. Oklahoma City Boulevard will be complete later this year. Named Thunder Alley, the project would also include surface parking spaces for 70 cars at the east end. 
The group anticipates the area to be a gathering space before and after Thunder Games and other arena events, but also conventioneers who will be utilizing the new Omni Hotel and Convention Center being constructed to the immediate south. They anticipate the entire project will cost $10.5 million. If approved, the plan calls for completion by April 2021. And now it's back to Landon with this week's guest. All right, we're here in the studio with Jeremy Thomas. Jeremy Thomas started off her real estate career really long time ago as a young child growing up and understanding more and more about people, then coming on to Oklahoma City and her most recent design is Urban Farmhouse Designs. Her project went from a small garage, her and her husband doing furniture in a garage, and taking that all the way to one of the number one custom-built furniture companies in the United States. They recently sold that company in December, and what they had created was a magical environment where the customer completely was enveloped in an incredible experience where they could see the furniture being made in real time. They could experience the farmhouse, uh, you know, flair and smells. They had a candle factory. They've got these custom tables that were made from trains that had, that had traversed the nation throughout the years. And they had so much custom work where the products that you purchased there or one of a kind. You would never see another table or another chair uh, in anyone else's house. And she has done an incredible job over her career so far, changing commercial real estate, uh, old warehouses into amazing spaces where customers feel comfortable purchasing at a high price. And her latest project that we'll talk about today is Airbnb. Now, she has an amazing ability to design an environment that's very inviting for customers, and she's now taken that talent and brought it into residential real estate, Airbnb style. Sheremy, welcome to the show today. Thank you. Now, I want to kind of give our listeners some background on, on where mm-hmm. you came from and how you got kind of where you are now. Right. Um, you didn't always do this, did you? No, absolutely not. Uh, I have always grown up around real estate. Uh, Both my parents are in it. My mom has been a realtor uh, pretty much my whole entire life. (laughs) Um, Done a lot of renovations and things like that. Started very young in my 20s with my husband. So, yeah, Mm. it's been. Now, when you, before you met your husband, were Uh you into real estate? I was not. We actually met in college. So we met at a very young age. Uh, I met Jason around 19. We got married in college. Uh, ended up having our first child and renovating and doing our first flip at age 21. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Down. And that was his idea or that was your idea or kind of a combination? Oh, I think it was kind of a combination. Uh, he had always done... Um, construction with his grandfather. He was raised by his grandparents and his grandfather actually built all the Winn-Dixies all, yeah, all around the United States. So it's something at at a young age that he was used to. Uh, Myself, I was interior design, interior architecture at OU. And so it just kind of, I guess, was a great fit for both of us. Mm. Yeah. So you did a brief stunt as a realtor 
from yes. what I understand. Oh, yeah. I've so, had my real estate license probably since 2002, I guess. Whenever. That's a big stunt then. Not a brief. <laughs> wow. I did that for quite a while. And my husband and I, when we lived in North, and I got it when I lived in Arkansas, mm-hmm. uh, Northwest Arkansas is where we were located. And we actually started building homes back mm-hmm. when. And we were building a little over a couple hundred houses wow. per year. So I was doing the design work, the real estate side of it. Uh, he was, of course, doing all the construction. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what we did after we started doing uh, residential flips. Mm-hmm. And then we moved back to Oklahoma City where our family is. What time period was that at? That was, I'm going to say, probably around 2004 to about 2008, right around in there. There was a big boom in the real estate market sure. at that time. We were in northwest Arkansas, so they were in so need of houses. you were building homes mm-hmm. during the rise yes. in the market. absolutely. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what happened during the fall oh, of the market. the fall. Yes. Well, you know, it was a little different where where we were at just because you had Walmart, you had J.B. Hunt, you had Tyson Chicken, a lot of really large um, scale businesses in one little area. And they were moving people in as fast as you could possibly imagine. And there were just not enough homes. We decided to start building a few and then it just took off from there because Mm. we couldn't, I mean, we were selling them faster than we could even get them built. And of course, 2008, 2009, the big the big uh, bust hit, as you want to call it, and uh, all over the United States, it was uh, mass havoc, I guess you could say, especially for builders anyway. Because you had already had these homes built. You had already extended the credit on it. You already paid the workers. Absolutely. And now you're stuck with all this inventory and no one that can qualify. Absolutely. Right? Well, and in the very beginning, you know, it was it was nice that we were doing a little more starter homes. We were probably in the 130s to 170s, and that's mm-hmm. about where we stayed for, um, I guess, our side of the fence, if you will. There were uh, the, the bigger homes really started having a major problem in the very beginning. So I will say we outlasted a lot of builders in our area. Uh, but it was unfortunate because we had a lot of banks that they started calling our notes. You know, they were having people that weren't paying them. So therefore, the people that still had money and were still functioning and running their business, they started calling notes left and right. It wasn't just us. It was a lot of other builders. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when when you've got uh, all these people to pay and, you know, you got one bank saying, hey, I need $280,000. Another bank saying, oh, I need, you know, 168000 You know, and you've got all those going on. Um, it really messes up your ability to to keep running, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So what happened? Well, unfortunately, we... Uh, we, we kept going as long as we could. We did have one bank that we had about 16 construction notes with, I believe, at that time. And they completely shut their doors. So we had those just kind of setting halfway framed, couldn't do anything, couldn't get draws on them. The you bank know. went out of business. The bank went out of business, wow. yes. Yeah, the bank went out of business. So there was absolutely nothing we could do on those homes. Uh, we actually tried to go to another bank to see if there was any way to get additional money to finish them mm-hmm. just because they were newly framed, you know, and we wanted to get them out of the elements. We wanted to at least try and get them enclosed. Uh, you know, people just weren't really willing to work with us at yeah, that time. Yeah, because everybody, it was save yourself. Pretty yeah. much, yeah, yeah sure. it was, yeah. Wow. So unfortunately, we lost everything. Mm. Uh, we were probably about 
28, 29 when that happened, uh, learned a lot Mm -hmm. and started back over. And so we moved back to Oklahoma City and where my family and and Jason's family is from. And that's where we started up uh, Urban Farmhouse Designs. It's not really the name in the beginning. It was Reclaimed Lumber Solutions. We were working out of a garage, literally out of a garage. We bought a pile of wood for $4,000. It was all the money that I had to my name from selling houses, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I went back into real estate at that time to help support our family. It was some money that I had had saved from a few closings. And this is about 2010? This was pro- probably Nine. about 2011, 11. 12, right, right around which is, in there. Which is about when it hit Oklahoma City. Right, correct. Yeah, because yeah. I think, yeah, if we really It took back, a little longer yep. to, to hit over yep. here. For um, those that watched the metrics on that, it was a 7% uh, decline in market value in Oklahoma City. Wow. Which is, which is really why you invest in Oklahoma City being a linear market. Um, but anyways, uh, go on. If you're just tuned in, uh, we're here with Sheremy Thomas. She is the owner and founder, both her and her husband, of Urban Farmhouse Designs, the top r- furniture company, custom-made furniture company in production in the United States that just recently was sold in this December yes, um, yeah. to a new owner who's taking it over. A uh, successful story of you taking an old warehouse and turning it into a, a destination in destination downtown Oklahoma City. Location, but, yeah. So 2011, you became mm-hmm. a realtor. You started you know, trying to, you know, of course you, did you have a mountain of debt at that point or did they write it off? How did that work? No, we actually had to go ahead and file bankruptcy. We had Mm. so many homes. There was just no way for us to continue. And so we, we did that again, had nothing to our names, Mm. (laughs) four kiddos started back over. And that's when of course, we bought that pile of wood for $4,000, and that's really what we started on. Jason put it online on Craigslist is actually how we started it, and he was just selling raw wood. And he, he came home one day and said, you know, you've got a design background. I can build things. I don't understand why we're not turning this into you know, a piece of furniture. So I kind of laughed and I said, well, with what tools? Because we have, you know, we've got nothing at this point. I think we had a hand sander that my dad gave me. Was this a rental product? Where were you at? Yeah, we were in a little uh, rental home in Piedmont Mm -hmm. is actually where we were located. And so he found- Which is just a suburb right outside of Oklahoma City for those that aren't from here. Yeah. Just northwest of Oklahoma City. Some of you have already talked to about going up North Expressway um, and checking out Piedmont, which is really growing right now. I, I love it. Great little small town. But in 2011, it was not. You were, there was, you were, there was you not were a lot there. out there. You were I, out there in the yes. middle of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. And so the customers on Craigslist would then drive out with their they pickup would. trucks and pick up the wood. They me. would. They would pick up the wood. And then we started uh, building a few tables here and there. Uh, Jason would put them on cinder blocks. And when I got home from work, I would be out there hand painting them, you know. So I I, I know no different. I mean, I work seven days a week. I've always, I've always done that. And we started selling the tables as fast as we possibly could. And we mm-hmm. put them on there. I mean, literally three or four hours, it would be gone. What would you sell a table for then? Oh, I'm going to say in the very beginning, Mm -hmm. I'm wanting, if I remember correctly, we're probably talking about maybe $800 or something like that. Mm. Um, These are solid wood Mm -hmm. reclaimed tables. Mm -hmm. So that was probably 
about where it was at at that time, I would say. And what would you say your tables were selling at before you sold your business? It depends on the size, of course, but maybe for a, a same similar table that size, you're probably looking at maybe 2400 somewhere around in there. Mm -hmm. And we were using, but we started using different wood. So back then, we were using wood from rail cars, but it was not the boxcar flooring that we actually started using that we do use today. Very hard to get, uh, very expensive. They have uh, pieces of metal that run every 12 inches through it. So this stuff is crazy, crazy heavy. It'll take uh, four to six guys to even move a table. So just it was diff a little bit different beast, you know, sure. if you will. Sure. So, yeah. It's an amazing story going, though. I mean, when Thanks. you look at the metric, um, so 2011, mm -hmm. when did you guys get your first building? We actually started renting uh, a little barn out in Piedmont, Yukon area. And that's where we this first is after started. about how many sales would you say where you guys uh, decided you know, we're making enough to let's let's do this? Well, I mean, a, a, just a one we just didn't have enough okay. room. Uh, you're talking about a one-car garage. I mean, we got wow. – L mm -hmm. literally one table wow. <laughs> in there. So if you wanted to make four, <laughs> you know, we were going to move. And so we, we got this cheap little place out there. We started putting everything on Craigslist. Uh, we had people coming all day long and, you know, it was a residential area. And so we, uh, now the, the houses were not close together, mm -hmm. you know, because it is kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but still there were that many people coming out to where neighbors they were, they were actually complaining. Sure. Oh, wow. and, and so the power we got, tools are probably, I mean, they're loud. You could hear the power tools. They were doing some sanding outside, of course. And it, we just, we got enough of a following on Craigslist that we got kicked out. <laughs> Literally. No kidding. Yeah, no. By the HOA? Um, no, there was no HOA out there because of where it was at. The, the city of Yukon wow. kicked us out. They were, they were super nice. Let me just leave leave it at that they 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 were not mean at all they just you know came out explained to us we said we understand you know we didn't ex expect it to get so big and that's when we started looking for something else we ended up going to a really old twenty eight thousand square foot warehouse in downtown oklahoma city over in the farmer's market area and from there we just expanded we ended up getting four or five warehouses all around there and you know having our own square block of downtown Oklahoma City and turned it into a destination location. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's a really quick... So that was 2011. Mm -hmm. And then when did you get... What, what was the first year of... I'm going to say downtown there, mm -hmm. probably 2013, right around in there. How did you... Now, how did you end up Leveraging, I mean, coming out of mm -hmm. bankruptcy, a lot yeah. of the investors understand you don't get loans. Oh, no, you don't. No, that's why. So how did you pull that off? That's why we had the $4,000 mm -hmm. and we bought the wood and, mm -hmm. you know, we we just sold used whatever we had. We sold enough, enough tables. Enough and you paid cash for the downtown? Well, it, we just leased it and it was, it was really bad. <laughs> we'll just mm -hmm. leave it at that. It was, it was very scary. Um, we were talking about getting a guard dog to go back and forth with us down there. If that kind of tells you, so the rent was crazy cheap. I mean, it was just a total piece this of work. This is on I-40 <laughs> and Western. Yeah. If you're tracking, if mm -hmm. you're at your office or wherever you're listening, you can go on Google Maps and look at Oklahoma City. And this yeah. is I-40 
and Western, Western. just north of I-40. And that was a desolate wasteland. It was Absolutely. an industrial complex yeah. that had fallen apart in what, 1970s or something? I, mean, I was honestly couldn't tell you. Oil yeah, crisis of the 70s yeah. and it just stayed. It was meth heads and yeah. homeless people and... Yeah. That that's yeah, that's where they lived up and down, you know, the the alleyway there and But you so, didn't need I guess you needed customers to come there though. Absolutely. So can you, how did you, can you imagine that? um women in the middle of the day I mean, there were times I am not kidding that women would drive back and forth and then they would call Jason on the phone because we were still advertising on Craigslist. I mean, we didn't have money to advertise. Right, right. Um, that was the last thing we were <laughs> we were thinking. Sure. Um and they would call him on the phone and just say, "I don't know if I'm in the right location. I'm kind of scared to get out of my car. We didn't have any signage up. I mean, we just literally had tools, some piles of wood and built tables just all over the warehouse. It wasn't even turned into a showroom at that point in time. I was still working in real estate full time. Mm-hmm. My two days off, I would help with with the company. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I didn't until I actually left real estate full time and went to Urban Farmhouse Designs, that's when we started actually building out showrooms, starting the renovation process, because I had the time to do it. That was my that was my mm-hmm. full-time job. Mm-hmm. I did the buying, the renovating, um, the setting of the showroom, uh, the marketing, the social media. I mean, just all of that, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and you need that time. I mean, it just, it, it takes up a lot. A lot so, sure. So, yeah. but you were working as a realtor, which mm-hmm. I think is important. That you you already started to kind of understand, and you knew already through building homes, mm-hmm. what the consumer was looking for when they were saying, oh my gosh, I want to put an offer in on that home. Yes. You know, you kind of picked up on those cues early on, I feel, mm-hmm. um, to be able to know what you needed to reflect in your furniture. Right. That would complement the houses that were in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. What style? You also need to know what size pieces do I need to make? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you've got some lower ceilings, you've got some smaller homes. It just kind of all depends. So we ended up starting to customize things. And that's where we saw a huge following of people because it's really hard to find a place that's going to go in, take your picture, take what you want, and customize it to your home. I mean, we can triple it and put it in a huge home. So, you know, it doesn't matter where you live. You can still purchase from us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and get a piece. And I think that custom element was really what set you guys on fire. Mm-hmm. That and let's talk for a minute about how you went from a startup. You know, we've got the garage. We've got the first place. And that's really where a lot of businesses are able to get there. Yes, Okay, I feel like that's that's the first step. And we get a lot of, on our commercial side, we get a lot of apps from businesses that are right where you're at, you know, yeah. where are in the story. You're, you're you know, you've, you've got the wheels going. And many of you that own commercial real estate, you get these applications and they've been in business for a year and they're looking for that bigger building and they want right. to sign a one year or two year with you. And you're going, I don't know. What'd you do differently that then exploded you from, we've rented our first place to mm-hmm. the number one custom mm. furniture store in the United States. Oh gosh, there are so many different things. I think the experience is really what brought people back and what turned us into a destination spot. We have people that would fly in. We have people that would drive three to four hours all the time. Tons of people from Texas. We have people that would drive eight to 10 hours just to come buy a table from us. 
One, we're using 1920s, 1930s boxcar wood, which is hard to find anywhere. And so to find someone that has that, that many pieces that you can actually go and say, okay, I'll take that one. That is my table. That speaks to me. Um, that brought a lot of people in. Again, the experience, and I got the idea in the middle of the night because I love Silver Dollar City, and it's just a place that I've gone to ever since I was little. The um, nostalgia of it just, I mean, it brings me back to simpler times. I love watching people make candles and build things, and so I really wanted that experience for our customers. So and Silver Dollar City being a theme park it you is. attended as a to, child. Yes, yeah, like a small small mm-hmm. theme park. And so that's kind of what I wanted to bring to people and make it a little bit different. You walked into the warehouse and you saw all of our guys working and building. You would smell the sawdust. You hear, you know, you would hear the saws going and it was just a really cool atmosphere and different. Mm-hmm. It would just kind of take you by shock. Honestly, it was like shock and awe. You're like, whoa, what's going on here? And then you would open these big, huge barn doors and they would slide open and you go right into the showroom, this beautiful, serene showroom. You've got cool, funky music, you know, going and you smell the urban farmhouse scent because we had our own signature candle scent. And it, it was really neat because you also had windows that went all the way down and you still got to watch them work and build your pieces while you're shopping. It is just, I I don't know what it does, but it just brings, again, people back to a simpler time. They they loved it, and um, the energy and the funness that was going on, (laughs) the funness, that's not really a word, but um, it is for me today. So that's, I think, what really kind of put us over the edge. It was something different and unique. And then we really started pushing on social media because that got us out all over the United States. That's where we brought in people from from a little bit everywhere. And also the fact that we put our family out there. Myself, Jason, we have four kiddos. We have three bulldogs, DeWalt, Dremel, and Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we really um, put a lot of us out on Insta story and things. And so people could really just see behind the scenes and what was going on day to day. And they really enjoyed relating to us because, you know, we're a family owned business and this is life and this is what's going on. And I got a sick kid that I'm bringing to work today. And, you know, I mean, just, just everything. It was just life. And people just kind of enjoyed that. So we're going to get into your new project yeah. in just a moment. Sure. But I want to talk one more before we finish off with with Urban Farmhouse. So you had reached 150,000 followers on Instagram. I, yes, I think it was and right. And that's, that's genuine followers mm-hmm. based on what the stories you were telling. And you guys yeah. did – I mean, I remember you, you had – when we did our interview last year, some of you have seen that. We had, I mean, you had a, a camera crew on site. You had mm-hmm. your own photo shot. You know, you, you had a, a studio set up yeah. to take pictures of your furniture. Yeah, we have photo booths. online sales. Yeah. And for social media marketing, you really understood that that's the way merchandise is being sold yeah. in, in modern times. And you capitalized on it. How did you handle that pressure, though? You guys had a lot of eyes <laughs> on you. You had a lot of comp- competitors looking at you going, yeah. I mean, there's some vicious furniture companies in town here. Um, how did you handle that pressure? You know, I think we just, what my husband always says is, share me, 
Don't let people rent space in your head. You know, just keep looking forward. Do what it is that you're you're meant to do. Whatever your goal is today, you know, don't let them rent that space in your head. Because when you do that, it completely takes you off task, right? And so for, for us, we just kind of got to that point where we said, you know, it is what it is. We're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep doing what we know best, and that is to make really cool custom pieces of furniture. And that's that's really what we did. And we tried to let everyone, you know, in on it and show what we did behind the scenes and all the fun, quirky things that would go on, you know, at Urban Farmhouse. So, so did you put your building up for sale or does, was this a call you got? How did, how did talk, walk me through then your, you go from this and now you no longer own that. Mm-hmm. Was that hard? For me, it was not really hard, but uh, I think for Jason, it was, it was a little bit different. I am by design. I'm a designer. It was just a God-given gift. Another project that you were done. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Sure. I felt like I was I was done with that project. Sure. Uh, unless we were going to expand or go to a different location or I had something else to renovate. Uh, for me, I was kind of done with that project. The reason why I left my other job full-time was to come in and, and renovate. I know no no different. You know, I walk into a complete blank space or a 20,000 square foot space and design it and turn it into something to where people can shop out of it and, and enjoy and have an experience. And so I just felt like it was, you know, it's time for me to do something else. And so that's what I am now doing is going back to doing my residential. I can do commercial design, but what I really am kind of focusing on right now is doing full service for Airbnbs. So Okay, we're yeah. going to get into this because this is very <laughs> interesting. Did you get, but let's close it out. Okay. So did you get a phone call about the sale? Did you put it up for sale? No, we did not. It was just someone that knew someone and it was our bankers that knew these people and that's how it came about and came together so it was it was an investment group that actually purchased how long did it take from the time that you started the sales process till the closing day oh months it was it was several months yeah it took a little while Mm. yeah pretty stressful like yeah yeah that that is because you get at that moment i would imagine where you're are we letting go now or are we not are we you know and then of course how the can staff, we still help you know they're yeah they you know some people you probably didn't even tell to the last minute because you weren't sure you didn't want to mm-hmm. you know so yeah that can be tough it is it, it, it is a little different whenever you're doing a transition over like that you know people are used to listening to myself or jason and now they're listening to someone new and so f- for us, we we kind of took a step back, and we knew that it would be best for us not to just be there all the time because it was time for them to get used to answering to someone else. You know, they couldn't always come to us. It was just a natural reaction. So that, How many employees did you have at that time point? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to say maybe 50 to 60. We also had the Dallas location, so mm-hmm. it's terrible, but I don't really know. So, yeah, there, yeah, were, there were quite yeah, a few. Yeah, yeah. That's, cool. yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a big, that's a, I mean, that's yeah. three football teams. Well, I don't know right. how many people are in a football team. Yeah. Probably a football team <laughs> for sure. You could play a full NFL game. So, so now your latest project, um, you're, you've kind of hit a point where, and this is what we discussed earlier, where everyone's hitting this, where there's nothing to flip. 
Absolutely. Yes. And yeah. Hello. Yeah. I get like six calls a week. Where is people, it? Hey, you know, what can I flip? And it's like, good luck. Yeah. Or yeah. if you do, your margins are so very slim that you make one mistake, you're done. Absolutely. If you don't know what you're doing in the middle of that flip, you will lose money um, because they are so slim. You are correct. And or you're having to go into Lincoln Terrace or venture areas where. Right. Ooh, yeah, you know, you're, it's, yeah. That's, it, you're getting a little iffy. You're not quite sure. And, you know, it's it's hard because that's something that I grew up doing. Mm-hmm. I, I say grew, grew up doing, but, you know, from my early 20s. And so for, for me, I really didn't know anything different. Um, I actually started looking for a house to flip. That was my ultimate goal a while back. And what I realized is there's just nothing out there anymore. And if you do find it, just like you said, mm-hmm. there's just not a lot of margin. And if you're really going to make money at doing this for a living, you better be doing five or six at a time. And you better really know what you're doing, yep. you know. Yeah. Um, and you better love being a contractor. Absolutely. Or a general contractor. A least. general contractor. Yeah. 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 Because if you if you want to make that margin, then yep. you are you are your own general contractor. You're not even going to hire and have one, which yep. Yep. could lose you a lot of money. So, I mean, you really have to think about what you're doing. So, you came up with a solution to this problem. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, you know, I was kind of sitting here thinking, all right, there – if there's not a lot to gut and redo, there's no fixer-uppers out there, right, so to speak, um, what can I do and take my talents and and use them to make some money in real estate? Uh, it's something that my husband and I have always been passionate about and I've understood uh, for quite a while. And so we always end up going back to real estate, right? Um, something that's very familiar to us. So we found a house that was semi-renovated to a certain extent. You know, I mean, it was all white walls. There were, you know, they had already ripped up the carpet and done some basics to it. Um, but I decided to do an Airbnb. My husband thought I was absolutely crazy, of course. I found this house. Uh, I think it was on the market for maybe 24 or 48 hours. I don't even know. Uh, there was a bidding war of about 10 people. Mm. <laughs> but just being in real estate, I... You knew I how knew. To craft the offer. Well, yeah, mm, sure. I sure did. Sure, right. And, <laughs> and your end result, being Airbnb, was different than the one percent rental margin that maybe your competitors or the other flips. Yes, that they were trying to do. Yeah, it, it's a different way of making money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're not flipping it and just you've got that cash immediately, um, but you you could have a whole entire other income. So think about it. My husband's working. I'm working. Now we've got a whole entire third income. And that's just from, you know, an Airbnb. Now, if you want to manage it yourself and do the cleaning, absolutely you can. Uh, you can hire someone to do it as well. There are people out there that um, they love doing that in the middle of the day. Their kids are off at school. They literally go in as needed for a couple hours, do the house, done. Um, but so that's it, if you live local. Absolutely, yeah. I would say probably 50 to 60% of our investors in mm-hmm. Oklahoma City actually live in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. The yeah. rest. Yeah. They don't live anywhere near here. In fact, actually, of the vacant homes, Mm -hmm. this was Table Investments, which if you've heard their podcast, they just started a podcast after, actually, I think after our podcast. Okay. have inspired some of that. But they've got a podcast that they were just featured on. I'll have to find the name of it. But they talked about how 90% of the homes that are sitting vacant here are actually Mm -hmm. owned by investors. Really? Really? And that's why the mailers don't work. Uh-huh. They just, you know, they put them on the doorknob or they put them in the mail and right. they don't go to where they're supposed to. Sure. So 
Yeah. Yeah. That, no, that, that so completely Airbnb makes sense. remote. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I had to, I had to really do a lot of research, you know, here I am, um, a day or two into it. I'm bidding over what this house is worth. My husband thinks I'm absolutely nuts. <laughs> so, um, bottom line is I wanted to figure out a way to make money, um, winning bids. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. And so I didn't want to just make the mortgage payment, right? So I can go in and I can do a long-term lease. I can do a 12-month lease and I can make my mortgage payment and go on down the road. And that's not my ultimate goal. I want to make an extra three or $4,000 a month net out, mm-hmm. you know, three or $4,000 a month and have a... Com- a whole entire 10 other times what you would expect the cash flow on a rental. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And the only way you're going to do that in a smaller home like that would be uh, by renting it out by the night. And, you know, that's where you're going to get that type of, of income. Now, if you stop and think about it, how are you going to keep it rented out? You know, a majority of the month to me, I want to keep it rented out at least 20 nights out of the month. If I can do it 28 nights, great. You know, um, that's, I'm exceeding what I originally want. But, uh, you know, you really have to think about how am I going to do that? And I themed my Airbnb. It's kind of a mid-century modern Palm Springs style. So it's almost like if you were going down to Palm Springs and you got a you got an Airbnb? Sure, sure. This is this is what you're going to get. Right, but you're right. right in the middle of, of Oklahoma City, right next to all the major highways. I mean, you can literally be anywhere you need to within about 10 or 15 minutes from this location. And that's really why I liked it, too, being in the heart of the city. Um, so I made it themed. I made it definitely just different and cool. People a lot of times will go off of Airbnbs just from the pictures. They say, ooh, that's a really cool place. Mm-hmm. I want to stay there. Um, I also made it to where we can have photo shoots there so people can rent it out by the day or for several days, and they actually can have photo shoots there. Also made it to where you can have uh, small events, like private little events and things like that. So I really tried to target three different areas to make sure that I was going to keep it leased up mm-hmm. and so I spent that extra money by doing that. I craned a 1970s Airstream over the house, literally had a five-story crane out in front of the house. I had all the neighbors there, kind of like, oh, she's crazy. And I craned it over into the backyard. So it's 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 turned out really cool. So the Airstream really cool. is then a guest quarters or what is? It's not right now. Uh, my ultimate goal is to probably turn it into that. Right now it's storage. Yeah. And one thing that you will learn um, having an Airbnb, because I've, I've gone through a lot of this now, is that you really need to have some sort of a storage facility, um, something in the back or even, you know, uh, you know, what we call maintenance quarters now. Sure. Operations. <laughs> uh, operations. Yeah, you, you have to. Um, there's a lot of little maintenance. There's things that you have to do with the yard. Um, I have the little tiny, you know, you've got shampoo and conditioner. There's a lot of little things that I have chosen to do for amenities as well mm. so that people feel comfortable when they're staying there. Mm. So you got to have a place for all of that. If you don't, 
I hate to say this, but people steal all that stuff. I mean, you can't leave a whole entire thing of Tide out there and your whole entire thing of dryer sheets and all, I mean, (laughs) you know, and 10 rolls of toilet paper. I mean, people actually take that stuff. And I've talked to a lot of people that do Airbnbs and they've said the exact same thing. So I've really done a lot of research Mm. um, down to what type of bed linens and sheets you should have. You've got to have enough towels. You've got to have double the linens. I mean, there is so much that actually goes into this. People need to understand how the home works. Um, you know, I made cool little, did you know, um, little, I don't even know what you would call them, little, <laughs> did you know, um, sheets that kind of sit all around the house. They're laminated. It tells people how to use the remotes, you know, how to turn on the lights, how to use the fire pit, how to do all these different things in the house that a lot of people don't think about. And it so, makes it a fun experience. It does. Yeah, it sure. is fun. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's basic math. We all go to restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. what are the restaurants that we pay the most on the menu price for? Restaurants that have themes, right? Absolutely. You know, or yes. maybe a waterfront or yes. something like that. We're okay spending that extra box when it gives us an environment. You're getting an experience. Okay. An experience. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So what we've got here, and I guess this is the this is what we're discussing and, and what I want to present to you guys is an opportunity to have one of the leading designers in the nation back you behind your Airbnb venture. If you're still wanting to invest in a linear market, and a lot of you are because you're afraid you've lost your money in cyclical markets, i.e. California, Mm -hmm. New York City right now is hurting. We've got people that are selling their condos and their their one-bedroom apartments and paying cash down here for properties, sometimes bundles of properties, depending on how much you roll, or you're watching markets like Florida, who's Mm -hmm. stalling right now. It's going towards a buyer's market. Mm -hmm. Uh, pretty mm-hmm. rapidly. Um, and in fact, January, I just uh, did a trip to Miami, uh, met with some brokers out there, and they're 40% of where they were last year for the beginning of this year. Wow. So interesting transition going on. And that yeah. really is Florida follows, especially the east coast of Florida, mm-hmm. follows New York City. So a lot of people looking for some cash to put into the Midwest and right. now realizing that the story's been written. Mm-hmm. People have been investing in the Midwest for the last eight years now. Yeah. A couple of important things for both of us to note. The convention center is going to be opening in 2021. Mm-hmm. One of the largest convention centers in the United States coming here to Oklahoma City. That is a $180 million building. Right. Okay. Yeah. Next to... Um, 130-acre park, Scissor Tail Park, yes. that's got a 10,000-seat open-air amphitheater with restaurants that surround it with rooftop dining mm-hmm. that overlooks this grassy venture. It's got a three-acre lake on it that connects south of I-40 called the Friendship Bridge to the south section, which is another 30-acre park. Going to be an excellent destination. And the airport has just started a $90 million expansion project to take international and national flights. And I've been saying this for a long time now. When you start to see OKC at the terminal gates, Mm -hmm. it will put OKC in people's minds. Okay. When you look at the terminal or you hear over the pager, passenger Roberts Ellen to gate number three, now boarding for Oklahoma City. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You've got now three, 4,000 people that are in that airport hearing Oklahoma mm-hmm. City, breathing Oklahoma City. Oh, I've heard of Oklahoma City before. They don't remember where they heard from it, right. but that's it. So that's this idea of why an airport is so important for an economy and a city. So $90 million project just starting, okay, expanding the amount of planes we'll be able to get into here. So really, you're in early entry seats into mm-hmm. this program for something that's going to explode in 2021, 2022. So I think it's a perfect metric. So for those that are looking... Um, Talk to me a little bit about how that's going to work for these investors, how they can get in touch with you, what kind of conversations you'd like to have with them. How's this going to work? Well, the ultimate goal here is to do a full service package. So whether, you know, they might already have rental properties that they want to convert a few into an Airbnb. Um, Someone might have a second home or they might actually be looking to purchase something for me to come in and do an Airbnb for them. Um, they can get a hold of me if you go to my website. I have it's sharemethomas.com. And uh, we'll spell that for you in a little bit. I know. It'll be in the comments <laughs> below, too. Look in the description. <laughs> yes, a little different, but you can go to my website. Um, it shows my different design services and how to get a hold of me. You can also email me from there. But um, the conversation to be had is, what type of property do you have? Where is it located? You know, we're going to go into a lot of different things. Um, I'm going to have to do a little research to see what could we get per night. Um, you know, th- there's there's some things before we go in and say, okay, this is exactly what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is the, the amount that we're going to spend on it. Uh, you know, that property might need some basic renovations, might need to be repainted, uh, might need new landscaping for the front and the backyard, Mm -hmm. which is what I just did on my house. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really is going to depend on on the project, honestly. And this this Um, works great for those that are saying, yeah, but I've already got a property here or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, This works fantastic for properties that you may want to live in some time of the year. Absolutely. I know many of you are senator. Actually, we've got one senator here. Won't mention your name, but you listen to the show. You've got a place that you don't live in mm-hmm. most of the year. When when the Senate is out, you're gone. So congressmen, your your uh, you know representatives, anybody working in the government that only has to be in session part of the year, mm-hmm. they can now rent out through Airbnb because they don't have to sign those one year leases where they you have to commit to that. Absolutely. College where yeah. you've got the the child or military, military where you've absolutely. bought a place or maybe you bought a place for your kids and mm-hmm. they deployed, mm-hmm. they went to a different location and maybe they will come back a mission trip, uh, overseas assignment, any type of situation where you need the flexibility to rent less than a year mm-hmm. and you're looking at that peak you know, market pricing, for example, the Thunders games, it's a great time oh, yeah. to run a property. OU Easy. games, all those things play into factor when you have short-term rentals, mm-hmm. as well as your tax treatment. Will You know, Jeremy will get in, in detail with you. You can also visit with your tax specialist, but there's a lot of different strategies Hotel that you tax. employ yeah. for tax purposes when you have an Airbnb, i.e. expensing all those bedding purchases, the shampoo she talks about, the designing fees that are charged to make that place look incredible. All that becomes a tax write-off now. Yeah, for the first year. 
Okay, well, unfortunately, we're running out of time here. <laughs> this has been a special edition. We've gone much longer than usual. <laughs> Thank you. But as you guys know, we have so much information that we've shared here today. Um, check out JeremyThomas.com. Check out some of her stuff. There's a contact tab on there that you can get in touch with her. Um, Shermie, thanks so much for sharing your story today. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Subscribe to our podcast to hear fresh local market information. We need ideas for our show and we want to hear from you. Visit OKCRealEstateShow.com. Looking to buy or sell in Oklahoma City? Meet with the award-winning team today at OKCRealEstateShow.com. That's okcrealestateshow.com.